0: Cape Talk. Ask Dr. Josh.
1: Dr. Josh, great to have you uh, have you back with us. Um, So, what do you think? We we make a a big song and dance uh, for uh, many of many years of our life around making sure that when it comes to retirement, we are financially uh, where we should be and legally all our ducks are in a row. But we tend to abandon the psychological aspect of retirement, right?
2: I think what makes it harder is. Retirement is supposed to be a celebration, so you know we, we talk a lot about what happens to you psychologically if you lose your job, if you're downsized, or if you're fired, and people, people have a lot of empathy and sympathy around that, um, but when it comes to retirement, it's sort of seen as a celebration, and yet it catches so many people off guard because Sarah Jane, what it does, and I say this all the time, it's like the birth of a child or when your last child, if you have children, leaves the nest, your life changes forever and drastically um, the day you stop going to work, particularly if you've been going on the same job for 20 years, 30 years, or 40 years. And psychologically, very often, we're not ready for that.
1: I'm thinking about my mum, who retired a number of years ago now. But she had she had worked, you know, like like most people, uh, all her life, and and she was in the years up to her retirement, she was sort of talking with, quite enthusiastically, I thought, about about mm. being retired. But then, when it actually came to her being retired, I, it seemed initially that it wasn't quite all it was cracked up to be, and that there was a. Almost a sense of sort of, of unease, a bit feeling a little bit lost at sea. Um, and I wonder if that is because so many of us, particularly if you've been working for, you know, 40, 50 years, because you have come to define yourself by the role that you had in in a professional capacity and that suddenly when you don't have that role anymore when you're no longer a uh, doctor when you're no longer accountant when you're no longer teacher you start to have to question well then who am i and who am i at this stage of my life would i be right
2: yes and that can happen to people for whom ha- even for people who have a balanced life even for people who through their working years do everything they can to not make their entire life about their career. What happens is when it stops is almost when you start to realize, oh goodness, there was a huge part of me that was defined that way. The other part related to this, Sarah James, some of it is logistics and adaptation. Y- you know, it's the idea of I don't what do I do And it's great for, like, the first few days to weeks. And I hear this from men in particular, and I've heard this from several. How many days am I going to play golf? You know, how many many times am I going to go and go to the park? And after a while, what you start doing is not only questioning what am I going to do, but it flips back on you and it says, if I don't know what I'm going to do, then who am I? And that kind of very existential, psychological question, as, as much as people say, ah, that will never happen to me, I'd say it hits about 70% of the people who retire.
1: What are some of the questions that we need to ask ourselves then when it comes to um, the, in the years up to, or a couple of years beforehand, um, the, the age of retirement, and I guess that's another thing. There are a number of um, sort of cultural norms, but also cultural myths when it comes to retirement, p- particularly around what age should one retire, what should one do uh, when one retires. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking of people um, who have retired and then have thought, no, this isn't for me, and I've gone and got another job, maybe in a different, uh, a different, a completely different sphere of uh, of work, a different, a different industry. But what are some of the questions, perhaps, that we need to um, be running past ourselves before we actually say, OK, yes, I'm ready to retire?
2: Well, you know, the obvious ones, and you already hit them, are the um, am I am I in a position to do it uh, financially? And, and what I mean by that, this is imp- this is important. Am I going to be comfortable with how I'm going to be living financially when I retire? Because there's a lot of people that think about the wonderfulness of retirement and then to the extent that their income is not where it needs to be, they realize this is no good. I'm retired, but I can't live, I can't live the way I want to. So that, that, that's the very practical. The second thing is, and I tell people this all the time, give yourself the explicit permission to not make retirement this um, lifelong sentence. Cause, and you, you addressed it just in your comment before. I am going to retire from this job. I am no longer going to work in this job. What I'm going to do afterwards, I don't know, and it may include starting another job. Sometimes just that permission to, to not sentence yourself to, a, to the rest of your life not working is enough to give you to keep some of the angst away. Um, That's the second thing. The third thing is, and you have to get real practical with this, as much as people want to just do nothing, I tell people give yourself about one to two weeks of nothing. Then start a routine of some sort. It doesn't have to be a working routine. What time are you going to get up? What time, what are you going to do after you get up? Get yourself on a routine because one of the things that throws us in a loop psychologically more than anything else after a couple of weeks, particularly if we've been working our whole life, is lack of routine. Mm. So it doesn't have to be painful, but you need to you need to be on some sort of rhythm so that you can move forward with your psychological life.
1: If you're just joining us now, we're talking to Dr. Josh Claypo as we do every Wednesday evening. Uh, and we're talking tonight about the psychology of retirement. Uh, and I'd love to hear from you if you are someone uh, who is thinking about retiring or perhaps if you have already retired. Um, and how is it working out for you? How did you feel uh, in those initial few months uh, or weeks um about uh, having uh, retired uh and uh, would you do anything differently i suppose would be my question you can get in touch with us on 021 446 0567 uh, you can drop me an sms to 31567 uh, or a whatsapp to oh seven two five six seven one five six seven. so here's something that i was also thinking about dr josh and that is around the the again sort of back to this cultural idea of of what retirement means there's almost a thing of well if you're at the age of where you no longer work, there is a reason for that, and that reason is that you are old that's that's almost the the dialogue isn't it that's the that's sort of the 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 thought process is that that's why you're retiring. You're retiring because you've reached a point now, uh, where, where you are old. Um, and I, I wonder what are some of the feelings that come along with that? Are you then having to, uh, look at your, um, your attractiveness, your virility, your, um, all those, all those other things?
2: So you're right. There are really two groups of people. You have the people who say, I'm fortunate enough to have retired early. Right. You you made your wealth and you stopped working, um you stopped working early, quote unquote. So maybe let's say that's before sixty. Okay, I'm using that as very mm-hmm. arbitrary. But those people are revered, right? Oh, you've made it. You don't have to work. Then you have the other group, uh, let's just say over sixty, um, who's retired and it's exactly what you said. Well you've retired because you're old and you you shouldn't be working because – Frankly, the message that it sends Sarah Jane subconsciously is you don't have much time left. Yeah, exactly. You better. okay. so the reason that retirement draws and, and kicks people in the gut, even though it's supposed to be a great thing, is it starts playing into all of these themes about identity and mortality. Even people who retire young, they think, okay, I retired young. I have the world in my hands. Wait a minute, I'm 50 years old, or 55. What does that mean? I'm I'm halfway to 100. What should I do? What's important to me? Um, And then if you're older, you get into these issues around, well, if I stop working, what contribution do I have? What contribution am I going to make? Am I old? Am I going to die? When am I going to die? Am I attracted? And the thing is, here is the thing, and I want all your listeners to hear this, it doesn't happen to everybody, but it happens to most people. These things start bubbling up. And for some people, it's pretty overwhelming because you, you didn't really think about it before.
1: We've had a message in now uh, from Molly and Fisher. who says, Hi, SJ and Dr. Do- Dr. Josh. I-, I retired five years ago and was very depressed and struggled to cope with being at home. I still feel depressed sometimes. Is this normal or should I seek some professional help?
2: It's normal, but if you're in a position to seek professional help, you should. Because the the whole thing with professional help is this, and I I try to liken it this way. When we don't feel right, we very often will go see a physician. And we may think something terribly is wrong or, or worse. You know, oh my goodness, I have, I don't know, I've got the flu. No, you just have a cold. Right. Mm, um, mm. The same thing happens with professional help on the mental health side. If you're in distress, if you're not able to to sort of move forward with your life in a way that you want, and you're concerned, and you have the uh, the, the the means, whether that's financial, insurance, etc., talking to a mental health professional is not just about seeing whether you're crazy or not, or seeing whether you have a psychiatric problem or not. It very often is. How do I cope with this transition? And let me tell you, there are actually diagnoses. We call them psychosocial adjustment disorders. And it basically happens with life transitions. There are a lot of people for whom they retire, or their parents go through a change, or their children go through a change, empty nesters. And they find themselves at a psychologist because they're trying to adjust to life.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's, that's okay. And in fact, I would argue that if you're distressed about it going to see somebody for a short period of time is the healthiest thing you can do because it's gonna get you it's gonna get you going again.
1: Yeah. Let's go to Lynn who's on the line in uh, in Gardens. Hi Lynn. Um hello, Sarah Jane. Yes. Yes, uh, hello. Lovely to talk
0: to you You too my uh, love. Big, I'm a big big fan. Oh you um, sweet. Sarah Jane. Um my name's Lynn. I'm seventy one years old. Mm-hmm and, uh, or young um, I'm a professional fundraiser have been basically um, uh, on pension for a while and I've been trying to get back into the market again as a fundraiser. You think my age as soon as they hear 71 no well that's that's a little bit too old sure. and we, have, we haven't really got anything for somebody like you. And I really don't think I've found my age. Not at I all. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a real problem. I, I'm desperately wanting to find something to get get back into the swing, to feel that I'm still a useful uh, member of society. Absolutely. I can still use the, uh, the um, experience that I had over many, many years. And uh, I'm just feeling that at 71, nobody wants
1: to know. And it's what that stigma. Well, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not going to, uh, Dr. Josh will answer that question, but it's just to address the, the stigma that is attached to age. We live in such an ageist society. Uh, Dr. Josh, any, anything for Lynn there? Thanks very much hey, for your call and yeah. appreciate it.
2: Thank yes, you. thank you. And it's a wonderful question and it's a, it's a little bit of a reframing. Um, yes, our society basically says, and, and, and this happens a lot, um, if you think about someone wanting to employ you in a traditional sense, they say, well, you're 71, you're not going to work for us for 35 years, um, you're gonna, you may expect a salary that, or, or payment that's higher than someone just entering the workforce, and so the employers sort of have this dilemma where even if they recognize the contribution that you can make, if they're thinking about the investment, it may not be worth it to them financially. And so one of the things that I think is super important is you have to change your mind frame a little bit, particularly if you're on a pension and you're in a position financially to do this. You may not be able to get hired in a regular job the way you, you know, the way you could if you were 30, you may be able to advise, you may be a consultant, you could be a, a part-time, you could be a, a, for work or per project uh, a, a person you may i mean depending again on what your desire is you may volunteer some of your time i'm not advocating that you have to but what you need to think about is getting back into the workforce at 70 if you're in that position reframing who and what you are you're no longer a worker you're a subject matter expert yeah. you've been doing this for x number of years And somebody may not want you to be there all the time, but they sure as heck may want you for a project, or as an advisor, or as a consultant. And getting creative with how you negotiate the payment for that, particularly if you're unable to do that, not only gets your creative juices flowing, but it keeps you, Sarah Jane, from fighting against a system that, for right or wrong, just doesn't want to invest in the traditional way in somebody who is that old.
1: Mm -hmm. I want to go to Chris, who's on the line in Francia Chris, welcome to the show. Great to have you with us.
2: Hi, sarah Ted. Hi. Um,
3: yeah, um, I retired when I was about 50. I sort of, it was a lifelong dream, and I was going to do all sorts of exciting things. And I got to retirement, and I thought, and now it was totally overwhelming. And... I <laughs> <laughs> Created an embrace, which is going to be my my occupation, as it were. I was then asked to join a charity foundation 17 years ago, and I've run that on an honorary basis for the last 17 years. It's virtually a full-time job, and I absolutely adore it. And the point of my call wasn't to tell you what I've done, but it's to say to people who have retired, it is totally overwhelming. And the amount of satisfaction one can get by offering your expertise on an honorary basis to the millions of charities that need it mm. um, would be phenomenally uh, satisfying to oneself and one's need of self-worth the just uh, the most feeling. And I'm, what what's prompted me to, to, to talk about this is that we as a charity foundation have there's so much red tape of accounts that have to be submitted and uh, auditors and lawyers and all sorts of things and we have to pay for that which which reduces the output to the charity and there are so many people who are out there who want to contribute but maybe haven't thought about it who think they're not worth anything anymore and you know um, and it's on an honorary basis and, and because it's on an honorary basis one isn't tied down to uh, specific hours and days and, and all that sort of thing. So, you know, one's also one's own yeah. loss.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just give us the name of your charity, Chris.
3: It's the Bellingham Homestead Foundation. Um, it was created by the founders of Bellingham Wines. And um, they didn't have any children. And Mrs. Potter sugar who is a family friend from my youth, said to me, I want you on our trust, and I said, no, you know, I I can't do that, I don't know anything about it. She said, no. She said, I know your brain, I want your brain on the trust. And Mm 17 years later, um, it's going, and we were told we had to keep it going for five years. If it wasn't financially viable after that period, we could could get disposed of it. and nearly 18 years later, it's sure. profitable. It's Fantastic. Bringing enjoyment to people, it's it's
1: great. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful stuff. Thanks so much for your call, Chris. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Carol, who's on the line from Kenilworth. Hi, Carol. Hi. Um, I'm just failing in to say that my grandmother
0: lived until she was 96. She stayed in her own home. She did all her own cooking right till the end. My mother-in-law died two years ago. Years ago, nine days before she turned 100. Sure. Also, you went there, she made tea, she brought it out, she had all her marbles fine. A lady that saved my life died last year at 104. And what I'm saying is that if you're 75 and you're going to go to 100, that's a quarter of your life ahead of you. Mm. So don't put a lid on it because you're 75. I, I mean, I'm over 80, and yeah, I'm still writing, I'm still doing
1: housework, everything. I think that is, a, that is um, abs- such a valid point there. And again, it comes around to this know, this ageist society that we live in as well, this age society. Mm. Well, why and that, you don't know how long you've got. True. Okay. Thanks very much for your call, Carol. Appreciate it. Um, Dr. Josh, I will get back to you in just a second. I do just want to go to Andrew in Mitchell's plane, who's oh, on yes. the line. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no problem. Andrew, welcome to the show.
4: Hi, Sarah Jane and Dr. Josh. Yes, the other gentleman said um, mostly what I wanted to say about. But I, I, because I've got the genes from my mummy and my daddy, they lived very long, and they were work so I knew what was waiting for me. Mm. So about 27 years ago, I, I already planned the story that I have to do something else. The work that I was in was not going to work, so I became a photographer. I drive up to five provinces, but even for that, I knew I, I won't get too old to drive, so I said, yes, okay, I've got this... Uh Set up with the children. So after I'm done with that, I'm going to be more in this volunteerism where I, I'm spending every day with the children when I'm not uh, away. But then afterwards, I will be full time with the children. But I, I, I prepared myself mentally.
0: Wow. Yeah. When,
4: when, when I when I w- left a the job there, I actually, a year before I had my diary, I still got all my diaries so of all the years. I, I wrote in my di- diary exactly what date I'm going to sign off when I'm going to put in my my resignation and I'm going to greet the people and I worked till the very last day being an alcoholic, I mean work holiday, <laughs> you never say that I, I, I was going to leave so I didn't have that trauma and that that, mm. that, that, that uh, psychological problem of, of, you know, missing the work because I, I was very into it and prepared for the whole thing a year before starting preparing. And so my next thing, as I said, is now this volunteering that I'm already in, I'm just going to be more involved in, than I am at the moment. So that's how I, I'm not going to stop working. I'm just going to change my job. Ah. And gonna, <laughs> that's me. That's, uh, uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Thanks. Joseph, that's what I wanted to say. You can, yes. you can just transform yourself and, and and just change, yeah, that's the thing. I think the change that you have to repair yourself, we're not going to sit at work or sit at at home and don't have nothing to do. Get yourself something to you do. Be, to give all that knowledge that you've acquired through your lifetime and, and, and spend it on other people, enrich the, their lives and uplift people and you uplift yourself like that. And you've got a reason to live. i got, I'm, I'm a pensioner, yes, but i got a reason to get up every morning. Mm. I'm excited to go to work. I can. I pat myself on the shoulder. I can go from one province to another province in one day. I tell you, I drive like a youngster. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's just see you, bad Bye. bye. I, I <laughs> Thanks, uh, Andrew. That's uh, What a fantastic call. That's Andrew and Mitchell's plane. Uh, Dr. Josh, I'm going to let you uh, let you sum up.
2: So you have wonderful callers, and they said it. I mean, they said everything that I was – they gave you examples of what I was trying to get at, mm, which is mm. this. They're all giving themselves the permission to continue their lives. That retirement does not mean you just stop life. Retirement simply means that whatever job or career you're in, you're choosing to close that chapter and do something. Something different. It may be work. It may be volunteerism. But let me also say, it also may be nothing. There are also people who say, you know what? I want to take up painting and golf. The issue is this. As long as you don't equate retirement to I must stop, then retirement is the freedom to do whatever you want. And if you're struggling with I don't know what to do, Please talk to somebody, and I don't mean just a mental health professional. Talk to your friends. Sample things. Try things out. The biggest thing that, that keeps us alive as humans is purpose and meaning, and that can be anything from volunteering at, a, at an animal shelter to running a non-for-profit to having a second career. As long as you find meaning, and if you're not finding meaning, meaning, Sarah Jane, please talk to someone talk to clergy, talk to friends, talk to a mental health professional. Every human being has meaning. Sometimes it gets lost. Once you find it, you'll be on your way again.
1: I think we're going to leave it there. What else is there to say? This has been a great discussion. Thanks so much for all your calls and, and all your comments this evening. Dr. Josh, always a pleasure to have you with us. We'll chat again next week.
2: Thank you, Sarah Jane.